This episode is sponsored by Honey Badger. In this episode, we're going to look at creating a questionnaire. And this is going to be a two-part series where in this episode, we're going to build the initial framework where we can build out the questions and the answers. And in the following episode, we'll look at gathering responses. So with each question, we can give a response and we can fill out our answers. And so it doesn't matter if we have radio options, a text area, or if we are capturing a multiple choice. The questionnaire can handle each one of those instances, and it wouldn't be too hard to adjust this so that if you want to have images instead of a text answer on something like the multiple choice, you could do something like that as well. And so the basic idea is that we will use a few different stimulus controllers. One controller will be handling adding answers, and so we can add as many answers that are needed, and we can also remove answers if we want. And another stimulus controller that we'll use is when we select the question type, whether it's a single choice, multiple choice, or a long answer. And because single choice and multiple choice are very similar in how they act, the only difference is how we render it on the view and how the responses are gathered. Those won't act very differently when we're actually designing the survey. However, the long answer is a bit different. So when we click on that, it'll automatically remove the answers that we could add to this potential question. And instead, we can then just type out what the question would be. When we actually go to render the survey, because it is a long answer type, it would then display a text box. And so to get started, I am using a fresh Rails application. And for this application, I also passed in the skip JavaScript flag when creating it, because we're actually going to use the Hotwire Rails. So we can run a bundle, add hotwire-rails, and once that's done, we can run bin rails, hotwire, colon install, and this will install Turbo and Stimulus.js. And if you're not using Hotwire yet, but you are using Stimulus.js, then you're going to be able to follow these steps as well without any issues. Next, I'm going to go ahead and generate a scaffold for our questionnaire, and we'll just have the one attribute called name. We'll then generate a model for the question and a question will belong to a questionnaire. So we can have a questionnaire belongs to. We can also have a name. We're also going to need to store the question type. And we also need the question type to be an integer because we are going to use it as an enum within the Rails model. And then we can also have something like a required and make it a Boolean so that when we are gathering a response, we can mark certain questions as required. We can also generate another model for the answers, and this is going to have a relationship to the question, so we'll make this a belongs to, and we'll just have an attribute name on here. Once that's done, we can go ahead and run Rails DB Migrate to migrate the database. And so we'll first start in the model, and for the questionnaire, this will has many questions, and if we delete a questionnaire, we would also want to cascade and delete any of the questions, so we can add a dependent destroy on here, so that questions will be removed as well. And we are going to be using nested attributes, so we will need to have an accepts nested attributes 
for the questions, and we would want to toggle the flag, allow destroy, and we'll set this to true. And you can refer back to the other episode, which I'll link in the show notes, on doing nested forms and how we can add in some validation to not persist records like questions that have not been filled out. And for the questions, a question will have many answers, and we'll also have the same kind of logic where we'll have a dependent destroy on these, so that if a questionnaire is deleted, then it'll delete the questions and also the answers. And then we could accept nested attributes for the answers. And again, we would want to allow destroy on here, and we'll set this to true. And then we can create our enum for the question type. And when I'm creating enumerators, I always like to make it a hash, so we can do something like a single choice. We'll set that equal to zero. A multiple choice. We'll set it equal to one. And then we'll have our long answer. And we'll set it equal to two. And I won't go into the reasons too much here, but I find it overall just better practice to select the index value to the key that I'm assigning it to. And for the answer, it'll simply just belongs to the question. And similar to the question model, we didn't have to type this in because it was automatically generated when we generated the model. And the nested forms that we're going to use with stimulus, I'm going to take from episode 186. So I won't go into this too much. However, I do recommend you come into this episode and watch it just to understand what's going on. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and copy out the stimulus controller that I used here because we'll find that we don't actually need to change anything for this episode with this controller's code. So under the app, JavaScript's controllers, I'll create a new file. We'll call it the nested form controller. And I'll just paste in this controller in here. And then I'm also going to come back to episode 186. And I'm just going to copy out on the form partial, just the code that we use to create the nested form. And then I'll modify it to be appropriate for our use case. So in our questionnaires, form partial, I'll paste in our nested form controller. And the important bits is that we'll change all of these tasks to questions. We'll create a new instance of the question, and then we'll just clean up the rest. And so basically how this works, we have a data controller on this outer div with the nested form. We have a target for the nested form template, and episode 186 was using an older version of stimulus, so we can actually change this to the new formatting, and we can do it down here for the add item as well. But basically how this will work, we'll render out this template element, and by default, a template element will not be displayed on the screen. So we'll have this form fields for the questions, we'll generate a new question, and we're giving it this child index, of template record. And then we'll render out a partial for the question fields, passing in the form, which in this case is the question, which is just the new instance of the question. And then for any existing records, we'll have something similar down here, where we're just rendering out the question fields partial for any questions already associated to this questionnaire. And then we have our Nessiform target for adding an item, where we can just click to add a question. And essentially, what this nested form controller will do is that it'll just take the contents of this template, which is a new question, and then it'll replace 
this template record with a timestamp so that when we submit the form, everything will be formatted appropriately. And so next, we need to come in to our questions folder in the views, we'll create another file, and we'll go ahead and create the partial for the question underscore fields.html.erb. And again, I'm just going to copy out, just so we have some kind of reference, the test fields partial that we use in episode 186. And I'll paste it in here, and then we'll just update things as we need. So I'm going to skip adding in the question type for now, because that's going to be a whole separate level of complexity that we'll deal with in the second half of this episode. But for now, we'll go ahead and update this text field. We'll use the attribute name, since this is the attribute that we created for our question model. And so now at this point, when we go to create a new questionnaire, we can add in multiple questions. Now when we go to create a new questionnaire, we can add in a bunch of different questions. And if we fill this out, and we go to create our questionnaire, it looks like it was created successfully, but if we come back and edit it, all the questions were lost. And if we look in the console where we created the questionnaire, that was due to the fact that we had an unpermitted parameter for the questions attributes. So in our controller, in the questionnaires controller, down at the bottom, where we have our questionnaire params, these are the parameters that are getting passed in that we are allowing or disallowing. We need to have the question attributes. However, it's going to be an array of attributes that we need to accept. We need to have an underscore destroy. So if we choose to delete a saved question, then it'll delete properly. We can have the ID, the question type, which we haven't built yet, but we will need. And we also need the name. So now when we edit the questionnaire, we can add our questions. And when we update the questionnaire and go back to edit, it persists. So now that we have questions that we can add to a questionnaire, we need the ability to add answers underneath these questions. And that's really going to come into play when we have a single choice or a multiple choice question. And I've just created some CSS just so when we're adding in these questions, it'll look a little bit nicer and we'll have some more clean definition. But to continue on with the answers, this is where things get a little bit more tricky because we already have a nested forms for the questions within a questionnaire, but then we need to have a nested nested forms for the answers under the questions. So in the form partial where we had the code for the original nested forms for the questions, I'm going to just copy this out and go into the question fields. And I'm simply going to just paste this in into the question fields. And of course, similar to what we did in the form partial, we need to come in here and then just update things so it's a bit more accurate. So we'll change these fields for to answers, and then we'll just update the other references to answer. And so now, whenever we add a question, we're also going to get the option to add an answer to that particular question, and that's simply going to just pull into the answers fields partial within this template, and for any existing ones, we'll simply just render those out. So we will need to create this partial as well. So under the questionnaires folder, we'll go ahead and create the underscore answer fields.html.erb. And essentially, this is going to be a very similar thing where I'm just going to paste in the same bit of code where we have our nested fields. 
In this case, I'll just get rid of the box because we won't need it. We'll have a hidden field to destroy the record. We'll have a name, which is the attribute that we use for the answer. So we need to just change the placeholder to answer. And then we'll have a remove link, which I'll just label remove answer, just so we don't get confused. And so before we test this out, I'm going to come back into the questionnaires controller because we're going to have a similar situation for the answers attributes as we did the questions attributes. And it's going to be important that when we add in the answer attributes, that it's going to be nested under the questions attributes. So we'll have our answer attributes. And this is simply going to be the destroy, the ID, and the name. So now coming back, and refreshing the page, we have our persistent questions, and now we can add answers. Once we enter in these answers, we can then come down and update the questionnaire. Coming back and editing it, we see that we still have our question one with the A1, A2, and we have our question two with the A3, A4. If we remove A3, and if we remove the entire question Q1, we can then update the questionnaire, come back and edit again, and now we just have our question two with the answer four. And so next, where things get also a little bit more complicated is that we now need to create the selection based on the question type, if it's a single choice, multiple choice, or a long answer. So in the question fields partial, we can create a form.select because this is something that we're going to need to persist. We'll have a question type because the question type is something that we're going to persist we're not going to use a select tag, but instead we're going to pass it through our form builder. And then we can have the options for select. Now I'm going to create a helper in the question model. And I'm just going to call this the question type select. And in the question model, we'll just have a class method called the question type select. And we'll simply just get the question types. We'll get the keys and we'll map through these. And we'll just return an array of arrays so we'll have our key.titleize, and then we'll just have the key value. And if this is persisted, then when we come back to this form, we want to have the selected value, and we can get our selected value from the form.object.question underscore type. And if this is a new record, then this would just be nil, so there would not be any selection. We won't have any additional select box options, and for the HTML options, we know that whenever we change the select and we go from a single choice to something like a long answer or multiple choice, then it's going to change how we need to render out our view. But we also need to get this value of the object that we're changing. So I'm going to add in a data dynamic select target. And so by the convention of stimulus 2.0, Dynamic select is the name of the controller that we're going to create. And I'm just going to name this controller the select. And whenever we change the value of the select box, we're going to have an action. And so the action that we're going to take on the dynamic select is going to be a function that we just call selected. And so we do need to have a data controller. So I'll come up to the top of this div and add the data controller. And we'll set this equal to the dynamic select. And we pretty much lucked out here because for the dynamic select, whether it's a single choice or multiple choice, how we build out the answers is going to be the same. The difference comes to play how we display the questionnaire, but then also how we gather the results. 
neither of which we need to really worry about in this episode. So for the data controller for the nested forms where we are gathering out the answers, we don't really need to display this if it's the long answer. However, if it is a choice, whether it's a single or multiple choice, then we do need to gather the answers. So we can have a data dynamic select target, and we'll just call this one choice. I'm going to come down at the bottom and we'll create another one. And this is going to be for the long answers. And because we don't really need to gather anything about how the question is going to be answered for a long answer, we can just leave this one empty. But just in case, if you had a situation where you needed to gather in some images or something like that, this will be a pretty good template on how you should follow setting that up. And so if you are going to gather images instead of taking in a text based, then instead of rendering out the answer field here, you may want to render out something like a choice answer fields. And then you would copy out this entire block for something like the images. And then you would render out the image answer fields. And within those, you would just have the appropriate methods of capturing the information that you're looking for, whether it is a text box or a file upload. And so under the app assets JavaScripts, in the controllers folder, I've created the dynamic select controller, and I've just pasted in the boilerplate code for a stimulus controller. We do need to change our targets because we have our select box that we called select. We then have the choice, and we also have long. And so when we first render out the stimulus controller, it's going to be important that we go ahead and display the appropriate things. And this is going to be important on a questionnaire that's been persisted that we are now editing. So we already know that we have a selected function. And so when we first connect, I'm going to just mimic like the select box was just changed. So in the connect function, we can just call this dot selected. And so right now we have our two targets. We have our choice target and we have the long target. And because we may not know which one is currently selected or if this is a persisted record, in our case, I'm going to just hide both of the fields. So I'll create a function called hide fields. And in this case, I'll just grab our choice target and the long target on the class list. I'll just add the hidden. And this is just a hidden class, which just displays none that you can add into your CSS. And so when we connect to the stimulus controller, it'll call this dot selected. Or if we change our select box, it'll call the selected function. And then we can just simply call this dot hide fields. We then have a switch, which we'll just call this dot selected target dot value. And on the case that it is a single underscore choice, which this value here, we are getting from the actual model and the enumerator, which then in the question fields, we are building out the different options where we are displaying the titleized version, but then we're just passing in the question type key as the value. So we'll have a single choice. We'll have a multiple choice and a long answer. So we can go ahead and update these for the multiple choice or the long answer. And if a single choice is selected, then we call this dot choice target, the class list dot remove. And we would want to remove this hidden for the multiple choice. It's actually going to be the same situation, but for the long choice, we would want the choice target to remain hidden, but we would want to display then the long target. 
In our particular case, this isn't going to do anything because the long target div is empty. Oh, it is the select target and not the selected target. And so now when we come back to our application and refresh, if we go to add another question, you can see that we automatically have our add answers. But if we were to change this to a multiple choice, we wouldn't see any difference. And that's because the multiple choice and single choice have the same fields. However, if we change it to a long answer, then it's going to remove that answer entirely because that's not needed for a long answer. Similar for a single choice, if we change this to long answer, then it'll remove it. And if we change it back to a single choice, then we will get our answers back. And so for testing this out, I've created a single choice asking what is the best web framework. We have a long answer asking why do you feel this way? And then a multiple choice asking what languages have you worked with? So we'll go ahead and update this to persist the records. And so to finish up this episode, I'm just going to come into the show page for the questionnaires, and I'm just going to spruce it up a bit. So we'll have a heading for the questionnaire name, and then we can loop through the questionnaire.questions. And so when we loop through each one of these, I'm going to create a subheading, and I'm just going to display out the question.name. We then have a case statement for the question.question type, and then we can have a different option based on if it is a single choice, a multiple choice, or a long answer. And so probably if I was developing this for a real application, I would probably render out different partials for each one of the choices, just so this particular view is kept clean. However, just so you see it all right here, on a single choice, I'm just going to put in the logic here. So we have our question.answers. We'll loop through each one of these answers. I'll just create a paragraph tag to enclose these answers. And because this isn't something that's actually referencing to a particular model, I'm going to use a radio button tag. And so this is where things get a little bit weird because we need to group up all of these answers for this particular question. So we could just pass in the question ID. And that's actually going to be very useful when we come into gathering the results in the next episode, because these particular question IDs, we can then reference back to the actual question. And then we can also pass in the answer ID for the value. Just so we know what we are selecting, we can have the answer.name, and that's all we have to do. So I'm going to copy out this loop, and I'm going to paste it under the multiple choice, because it's going to be very similar, except for a radio button tag, we're going to have a checkbox tag. And for the long answer, we'll simply just have a text area tag for the question.id. Once we come back and refresh our page, we now have our questionnaire, and we can start filling it out. And for the single choice, as you fill out these, because we grouped it by the question ID, we don't have to worry about the end user selecting multiple ones. We can then type in our text area box, and then select the different languages we have worked with. And so right now, this doesn't really do anything. We are just displaying it out. However, in the next episode, we'll create a submit button, make this into a proper form, and then gather the results, which is actually a bit more tricky than it may seem, simply because the structure of the questionnaire is pretty simple. And then the questions that belong to the questionnaire, it's simple again, where we just have a list of name attributes and question types. 
But the questions can have many answers, and that's where we get into a bit of trouble because we don't know how many questions or answers that's going to be on a particular survey, and we have to take that into account when we are designing how we are going to gather the results. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for watching.